from Michigan Radio. This is It's Just Politics. I am Zoe Clark. There is a big change possibly in store for when Michigan gets its turn in choosing a presidential nominee. We are a state that often decides the fate of national elections. Meantime, the current president came for a visit this week in Bay County. It sure seems like President Biden likes Michigan. You stood for jobs. You stood for dignity. You stood for the American worker. You stood up for women's fundamental rights. We are also in the middle of Lansing's lame duck session, a time that has been dubbed the lame, lame duck session. We have an opportunity here to, to work together and, uh, you know, an opportunity that I see. And unfortunately, I don't necessarily see that's uh, being reciprocated on the, on the governor's side. Plus a very big cabinet shakeup in the Whitmer administration. Joining us now, Jordan Hermony and Simon Schuster. They are both here, politics reporters from MLive. Hey, you two. Hey, hey thanks, thanks for having, having us on. Always good to have you here. So, Simon, I want to start with the latest on what's going on with the Democratic National Committee's presidential primary calendar. It sounds like Michigan could be a very, very popular state. Fill us in. Yeah, certainly. So this has sort of been in the rumblings for a long time. This is something that uh, Congresswoman uh, Debbie Dingell, Senator uh, Debbie Stabenow, and even the late Senator Carl Levin had championed for decades. And it seems like it is coming very close to fruition, which is that Michigan may become in the early window of primary states. The DNC has set rules that say that you can't have primaries before the first Tuesday in March, save for a few special states. And finally, late last night, President Joe Biden reportedly spoke to some senior Democrats on this committee in the DNC that's going to determine this and said, I want Michigan among these states. And he seemed to have laid out a schedule. And and according to reporting by Politico, it said that he wants Michigan to be fifth of five. Uh, So, you know, we were on in Super Tuesday in 2020 and, and one of a plethora of states going all at once. So this has big implications for Michigan because it could mean that we could get a lot more presidential candidate visits and the issues that are important to Michiganders uh, could potentially get a lot more prominence, but it's far from a done deal. And to your note, this is something that folks in Michigan, Democrats in Michigan, have actually been pushing for decades. And there has been this video this year narrated by former Pistons superstar Isaiah Thomas. Let's just take a little listen. Michigan's diverse, a battleground, and crucial to winning the White House. With all of Michigan's diversity of places and faces, of cultures and communities, Michigan looks like America. America at her very best. Michigan, the most diverse battleground state in America. The racial, political, cultural, economic, and geographic diversity that represents the best of America and makes Michigan the best place for an early primary. Michigan the best place to pick a president. Jordan, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get some pure Michigan vibes from that. One of the things that Michiganders and and Democrats are saying is, look, we are a more diverse state than an Iowa and are a true battleground. So is that the case? Absolutely. I mean, that's been a pretty common criticism is that Iowa, by and large, trends very white. Michigan is a, a bit more diverse. Um, And not to mention, I mean, you saw in in 2022, we're a very competitive state. We are, you know, truly purple. And so focusing on us, like like Simon pointed to, I mean, it it makes us competitive. It makes our priorities more competitive. And by and large, I I also just want to point out um, there's a bill going through the legislature right now that is being championed by Republican Senator Wayne Schmidt to move the primary. So this is not just a Democratic thing. 
I mean, you saw Ron Weiser kind of tentatively give his blessing uh, to moving the primary as well. So this is an all around thing that politicians in Michigan really want because it will elevate us on a national stage. Yeah, the statement from Weiser said Michigan should have, quote, a very significant say in electing the next Republican president of the United States, he notes. Um, Simon, to that point, though, the state Senate voted to move the primary date in Michigan. That happened just this week. But the state House still would have to do that. Right. And this sort of speaks to this complexity of this process. Um, While Michigan's primary date is set in state law, this is sort of their informal uh, DNC and RNC Mm -hmm. processes that determine essentially when these uh, state primaries are going to be. And there's the big wrinkle. I mean, under the schedule that uh, President Biden has set as his preferred order, uh, this state Senate bill won't work. This is the first uh, Tuesday in February. And reportedly, uh, he wants sort of uh, Michigan to be at the end of February beyond when Michigan is set in this bill. And so uh, that's problematic. And uh, on top of that, the RNC uh, has said, listen, the the primary order should stay as it is. Michigan has, uh, if I recall correctly, 55 Republican National Convention delegates set for 2024. Uh, Under their rules, as they stand now, those delegates will be reduced to nine plus the three RNC members should they violate this order. So while the Republican-led Senate is probably behind changing this order, uh, Republicans delegates themselves could be punished in 2024 should Michigan move ahead with this. And quickly, we should note all of this is, again, being said for 2024. But if Biden does run again, at least on the Democratic side, it's a bit of a moot point. Yeah, certainly. If there's no primary challengers for him uh, and let's say uh, Donald Trump does is, you know, since he's announced, doesn't face any significant challengers either, uh, then it could be a, a far different sort of political calculus at play here. And I, I should also note that Biden has called for this order to be reassessed every four years. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this changes the landscape. Are we going to be moving forward to competitive states each time? Uh, and But uh, New Hampshire, for example, he they have said, listen, we're going to be first in the nation and we're going to continue to be the first primary state in the nation, regardless of what you think. So there's going to be some future conflict here, especially within the DNC. Mm -hmm. I do like Michigan's new motto, Michigan, the new New Hampshire. Um, It's been really fun to watch social media over the past 24 hours with everyone and their mothers seemingly to come out ideas about the places that presidential candidates would have to come and, you know, do the handshaking and parades and things like that in Michigan. What have been some of your favorites that you've seen. Um, I did appreciate immediately a bunch of people jumped to the sort of trial by fire of pronouncing uh, cities such as Milan or uh, Bablo Island. Uh, My personal favorite, though, I saw if everybody remembers back uh, this summer when the Belle Isle slide was reopened and um, it was more like the Belle Isle cannon with how people were getting shot out of uh, the slide. That was my personal favorite. I do believe that we should go to a trial by fire uh, presidential primary, just send all of them down the Belle Isle slide, whichever one comes out the least unscathed, uh, potentially could get our votes. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I mean, you're probably if we do end up moving in the primary, you'll likely see them in places like uh, Grand Rapids, potentially uh, Frankenmuth, Mackinac Island, definitely. So sky's the limit. But it, it is fun to consider the uh, possibilities of the more uh out there campaign stops. Let's quickly talk about President Biden and Michigan in a different context, and that is that he was here earlier this week. The president toured a silicon chip manufacturing plant where a South Korean company is spending $300 million on an expansion. Biden says this is all part of an effort to bring semiconductor manufacturing back to the U.S. 
So instead of relying on chips made overseas in places like China, the supply chain for those chips will be here in America, in Michigan. It's a game changer. Simon, Biden really seems to appreciate coming and visiting Michigan. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that this speaks to a lot of the uh, the notes from Biden's political career that he loves. I mean, the man drives a 1960s Corvette. And I think that in, you know, Michigan in the 2024 primary, I would be shocked to see if he's going to miss the, the Woodward Dream Cruise uh, in, in 2023. Now, uh, I, you know, I think that this particular visit really sort of hits home because with rising tensions with China, he is and, and other and people from across both parties have sort of cast the production of semiconductors in, in, in the country as a uh, national security issue. So this, uh, in terms of Biden's love of organized labor, uh, bringing back U.S. manufacturing uh, back onshore, removing sort of the, some of the outsourcing that has sort of ripped out the core of, of, Mich- of the United States' manufacturing heart, this visit sort of hit on all of those notes. And he was able to also talk about his love of unions and organized labor. And so, and you could really sort of see that this was both a, a visit that had a lot of policy value for the president, but also had a lot of political value because of all these notes. That is Simon Schuster. Jordan Hermony is also here. They are both political reporters at MLive. And a reminder, we would love to hear from you. What questions do you have about what's happening in Lansing? and why. Email us at politics at michiganradio.org. Again, that's politics at michiganradio.org. So let's jump into this lame duck session, right? This is the time of year where we are post the November elections, but before new representatives and senators are sworn in in January. And this is this particularly interesting time because there is, of course, this Republican majority right now in this term. But in January, as we know, Democrats are going to be in the majority in both the state House and state Senate for the first time in nearly 40 years. So a lot of us are watching going like, what is actually really going to happen or get done in this lame duck? And the answer seems to be not much, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. There's there's nothing that has truly gone through lame duck or have come up so far that has raised any eyebrows. I mean, we have so much outstanding policy issues and and legislation that were big ticket uh, things to talk about prior to the election. I mean, you think of uh, raising the earned income tax credit or offering tax cuts for Michiganders. And when Republicans lost you know, the House, the Senate, the the governorship, um, all of those plans sort of just fell to the wayside. And and we've not really seen any outward movement on any of these policy ideas. And the thought behind this is, I mean, I feel like former state Senator Pete McGregor put it best during a a roundtable earlier this week with reporters. He's part of a group that's trying to champion um, raising the earned income tax credit. He said that, you know, everyone seems to kind of just be selfish right now. There's Hmm. No interest on Republicans, according to him, to give a win to Democrats in terms of passing uh, things like the earned income tax credit. There's potentially no interest from Democrats to say, you know, hey, we uh, made these these big policy changes that maybe could have aligned better with what we want come January. I mean, if you're in the Dem seat, there's no real reason to start to negotiate on things like tax policy or earned income tax credit when you do have the majority, you know, come next month uh, when the new legislature is seated. So, I mean, 
We have at least one confirmed day next week where the House and the Senate are planned to meet. Uh, that currently is Tuesday, although I have heard whispers that that could be moved to Wednesday. But I mean, by and large, we're looking at a potential end of the legislative term on Wednesday, December 7th, which is very early in the year. House Speaker Jason Wentworth has gone on record saying, hey, I'm you know, willing to call back the House uh, even the following week to continue doing legislation. If that's what we want, the governor's office has said, hey, we're committed to doing bipartisan legislation. But clearly behind closed doors, there is a disconnect going on because as of looking at the schedule today, um, next week, we could see the end of the 2022 legislative term. And I think for many of us who have been you know, covering Michigan politics for so long, Simon, I'm thinking back to a decade ago when right to work was passed in lame duck, right? I think Michigan Capitol reporters are so used to there being contentious issues happening in this period of time. And it appears that just may not be the case this year. Right, certainly. I think the political uh, calculus for the governor right now is really tricky. I'd say that, uh, you know, in a purple state like Michigan, one of the biggest political gifts that uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer had in her first term was having to preside over divided government, because then that means that everything that she accomplished became a bipartisan win. But we're sort of in the last chapter of that time, in, in, you know, in, in her uh, in her uh, governorship. And so what's uh, what's difficult for her is that right now they have uh, she has a Republican legislature that says, hey, we're putting forward these things that we want to negotiate on uh, and that, you know, you said all campaign long that you're willing to talk with anyone about anything. You know, I'm willing to work with anyone who wants to get things done for Michiganders. And so, you know, uh, put up now, show, you know, show us that you want to do that. But these are but these are, I think, uh, some issues that are also non-starters for the governor. And so, uh, you know, while she wants to stay above the the, pi- the partisan fray here, um, because she can just sort of wait some things out and then, uh, you know, engage with them when there's trifecta democratic control of government. Um, then she's also sort of uh, having to navigate these issues where uh, the House, the Speaker of the House is going on record saying that she's not a willing partner to negotiate, where uh, the governor's office is pushing back strongly against that. Yeah. Well, Simon, let's let's stick uh, with the governor because some big news just coming out this morning, and that is a pretty sweeping shakeup being announced in her cabinet and senior staff for this new term beginning on January 1. What do we know so far? Right. So there's uh, a lot of changes happening uh, that have been announced all at once. A lot of major departments, uh, these uh, directors will be leaving and replaced uh, into Whitmer's second term. And so these are the Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy, the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development, the Veteran Affairs Agency, and the Department of uh, Transportation. Um, all of those directors are stepping down and going to be replaced with acting directors. And so this is this is a big shakeup. There's, this is a, as I think you said, as we were speaking before, this is a sweeping change that's happening sort of all at once. And uh, I think that this really sort of shows that there's going to be a realignment that may reflect perhaps the changing composition of state government. But in her announcement of this, there is sort of peppered in there the blessings of relevant interest groups in each of these policy areas saying that, you know, we think that this is a good change and we can work with the people that you've instated. Jordan, your takeaway? I mean, I think it's going to be of interest uh, come, you know, when we start to see these acting directors or, you know, once we if we end up in a director search, uh, these permanent directors, what sort of changes in policy um, or policy priorities they might bring? Um, you know, we were not personally, I was not <laughs> expecting this. I mean, you think of individuals like Gary McDowell over at uh, MDARD uh, or or Paul Ajiba over at MDOT. 
I mean, by and large, these were individuals who were not any sort of a contentious figure. Liesl Clark over at, um, you know, Eagle, uh, what what now where it used to be, you know, the DEQ, uh, you know, what kind of priorities are we going to see out of these new folks? That remains to be seen. And uh, what kind of priorities Whitmer will make, given that she's sort of changing the guard here, you know, will also be of uh, great interest come next year. I think Jordan hit the nail on the head, which is that, you know, this is sort of entering a new chapter of her leadership of the state because of the changing composition of state government. There's going to be new policy priorities and new opportunities because of a Democratic-led legislature. And so I think that there's some symbolic value in here, but I also think that uh, she wants to make sure that she has partners and uh, perhaps subordinates in these agencies that are going to be on board with perhaps the sweeping changes that she's looking to make. One of the things that she said was a policy priority uh, for her was uh, enacting some of her climate change orders into statute. And mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see how that works moving forward. Simon Schuster, Jordan Hermony, both political reporters watching the Capitol for us from MLive. Thank you so much, you two. Thanks. Thanks for having us. That's It's Just Politics for today. Miss a show or just needing even more Michigan news? Subscribe to the It's Just Politics podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. I am Zoe Clark. I hope you have a fabulous weekend. We will talk again next week.